Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where 30% of the time we manage to beat a dead horse to life! This week we take a look at a licensed RPG from a series that took a new spin on the fantasy trope, where even your favorite characters aren't safe and could die at any time. It's a dark setting with a grim outlook on life full of moral ambiguity. That's right, listeners, winter is coming. To Melna Bonet, this is Stormbringer. Touching hands, reaching out, <laughs> touching me, touching you. Whoa! Why are we doing this? Because <laughs> uh, even Sweet Caroline is better than Stormbringer? That is true. Hi there, I'm Jeff, and my co-host John is here. Hi, John. Hey! We are uh, just about to drop some knowledge on you about an RPG that we discovered called Stormbringer. Stormbringer is the name of a sword. It certainly is. It's the name of a rune sword. And uh, don't worry about if whether or not you're going to get a rune sword if you play this game that is named after a rune sword, because you're not. Nope. Not, never. Not because a chance. you are not Elric of Melnibone. Actually, every time I say that, I want to say Elric de Melnibone for some reason. I want to say Elric of Lisa Bonet every time. That's 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 what I want to do. Is that... Yeah. I want to bone Lisa, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I want to slip her my sickly albino if you... Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. It's a little deficient of blood. <laughs> Wait, no. no, I'm making myself sound worse. Wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> I'm flaccid. Ah, damn it! Tasty. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of sweaty. So, uh, Stormbringer is based on the Elric series of novels by Michael Moorcock. Yeah. And, uh... It is the most based on its licensed game I have ever seen ever. <laughs> like and we've we've reviewed a few licensed games. Yeah, oddly, most of them tend to not have much to do with the license outside of just sort of paying a nod to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, when we did the Buffy RPG way back when, it had some stuff about uh, you know how Sunnyvale High operates and what it's like to be in a clique and all that kind of stuff. And you could play as the Scoobies. If you wanted to, you know, it, it, it's, it's, there's enough space in this, in the, uh, Buffy universe to allow people to play a role-playing game set there. Yeah. And by the same token, we did the Indiana Jones one, which literally forced the Indiana Jones characters on you. Oh yeah, you are not allowed to be anything but Indiana Jones, which, I mean, at least at that point... You're playing your hero, which is what you want from a licensed RPG. Yeah, you're, you, you don't get into the classic licensed RPG trap of, I'm... Just some guy, and there's the protagonists. Yeah. Uh, we also, we've done a Star Wars RPG and so on, but, but this one, this one's magical. Because huh. this book was written by some serious devotees of the Moorcock Ove. And there's, it's got nine different authors. Yeah. And the, uh, this is the fourth edition. The fourth edition yeah. from 2001. Uh, I think originally made in 81. Yeah, 81, when there were only a couple of these Moorcock books available. At one point, this book's gone, there were four books in a row called Stormbringer, and the third one was actually made by Games Workshop, 
which yeah. I really want to see that. But this, this fourth one is made by Chaosium, I think. Yeah, the same people who gave us the uh, the Call of Cthulhu. Yes, and it's got that very same uh, structure to it, that kind of generic percentile dice-based system. Uh, then, th- then after this, they made two more, but they weren't called Stormbringer anymore. They were called Elric! And I, I say it like that because they actually put an exclamation point in the name. Yeah. Which, to me, makes it sound like the last two books were about, like, the musical. Of course. Yeah. It's Elric the Musical. <laughs> turn off the dark. Come on, Elric. Yeah, turn on the white. <laughs> so, uh, And if you don't know anything about these books, uh, our main character, Elric, is an albino. You're in good company, because neither of us have read an Elric book that I know of. Oh, right? God, no. Why would I? So, um, the basic concept is that it's it's... If I was to give you the Wikipedia downrun on what on what Elric is, Elric is the anti-Conan. Uh, Moorcock wanted to develop a book, a sword and sorcery fantasy hero who was the opposite of Conan in every way he could. So where Conan is strong, Elric is weak. Where Conan is rugged and, and uh, tan, tan, Elric is an albino with with crappy blood. Uh, where Conan is likable and gregarious. Keep in mind that Conan actually is those things, and it's the Arnold movie where he isn't. Yeah. Uh, Elric is a brooding, whiny crybaby from an island of near gods. Yeah, an island of demon-summoning crackheads that want nothing to do more in their life than chase the dragon mm. and own slaves. And, and also own dragons. People. Yeah. Yeah. So the Melnibonaeans, which is the, the, the race that Elric is, are these kind of... Near humans, but above humans. They're like Atlanteans. Yeah, they... So, this world that this bullshit takes place on is supposed to be, like, the world before our world, and it gets all weird and destroyed and then becomes our world. It actually mentions that it is our world at one point. It says the the planet that that, uh, the Elric Saga takes place on is our world, but 20 million years ago. Yes, of course. Just like all of those 20 million year old ruins we found of... Fucking people that fly and <laughs> rune swords that have been lying about and the gods of law and chaos that keep fucking our shit up. Well, granted, Elric did end the world by playing a horn, much like Satchmo did. Remember that? Yeah. yeah. yeah you remember when that happened? Yeah, like yeah. in the, in the, it was like the 1930s or so. Satchmo ended the world. It was terrible. It sucked for everybody for a little while there. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. You got over it. That's, that's how you do. Yeah. But now you can't find any, Ref- records of that. There's no uh, architectural records or anything that survives Satchmo because <laughs> he destroyed the world in 1935. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so there's this one little island yeah. in the world and these annoying god dudes live there. So, uh, there's regular humans and then there's these Melnibonians. Yeah, and then the rest of the world is Planet Renfair. It's it- all it's all with horrible fantasy names, like the worst kind of town <laughs> names. This guy, this Morcock guy, is in love with the double Y. Let me let me just tell you, if you've listened to the Sky Realms of Joe Rune, you will know that I have nothing but seething hatred for dumb bullshit names for things, and Michael Morcock puts that shit everywhere, and it just, oh. It's real oh. hard, when you're reading this book, if you're not a devotee of the saga, as they continuously refer to it in the book, uh... Then trying to remember the difference between like Lermur and Ermur is gonna drive you insane. Yeah. It's like, what is this? I R M Y Y R Y N. What's that? I war Y R M N R O Y R N. This is Urnir. Urnir Urians live here. 
You're my murder. You're my murder. The judicial system. The whole thing kind of sounds like Kermit going crazy. Like every place. You're my murder. A lot of, a lot of Swedish chef action. Yeah, you got the Swedish chef. You asked him for directions. You're like, what's that town over there? Yeah. That's, that's the whole thing. Lormir. Herminger. Herminger. in purple townsies. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a fucking place called the Purple Town, and it just no like you can be colloquially known as yeah that's that's Purple Town because they use purple stones and there's purple Whatever. stones for some reason and they make buildings and they look purple but it's gonna have a name no no it doesn't it's called Purple Town it's the island Purpleville? it's the island of Purple Towns and then each one of the islands towns actually does have a real name there are things like Medran and and Nezai and so on but. But no, it's just called the Island of Purple Towns. It's where the Purple Man is from before he starts messing with all the X-Men's minds. Yeah, that's yeah. what that's exactly right. Now, there are actually four races you can play in this game. You can play as humans, uh, in which case you are a shit-farming peasant of the type that humans are. Yep. You can play as Melnibonaeans, which are the golden gods of the world. They, not all of them are albinos, just Elric is. Most of them look like people, but are better. Uh, a little more gaunt and angular, and a lot of the art of them gives them kind of vaguely pointy elfy ears, but not quite. Yeah, they're they're generally described as being slightly longer and sleeker than humans. So, like yeah. their fingers are a little longer, mm-hmm. and they're slightly taller and a little thinner. They kiss a little longer, <laughs> longer with big red. Yeah. <laughs> so um, then you can also. <laughs> You can also play as half Melnibonaeans. Yeah, if you want to be hated by everyone. Everyone, although you are still better than everyone. You get better stats. You are ever so slightly better. And then there's the last race you can play, which is, uh, Hyrmer... They're they're called My Urine. Myrrhurns. Yeah, My Urine. My Urine. They're called My Urine. M-Y-Y-R-H-N. My Urine. Well, you're getting an extra vowel, and it sounds more like it's mern to me. <laughs> mern. Yeah. <laughs> sounds kind of like that big silent guy on Deep Space Nine to me. <laughs> mern, they, they say when he isn't in the bar, yeah. or when he arrives in the bar. Yeah, that's yeah. that's who it is. Yeah, sure. So, those are winged guys. They, they... Oh, some of them are winged guys. No, they're, they are the winged warriors. <laughs> they, they are. They're the, the Cinnabarian winged warriors of this game. Although, I'm serious, about, about uh, 50% of them don't have wings. You have to roll. If you get to play as a Myrn, then you have to check to see if you're a winged Myrn, in which case you get to be a cool guy with wings, or you're a non-winged Myrn, in which case you're a human again. Con- congratulations on that. Uh, Although the, you still just have better stats. Better as one stats. Of them. The way you roll your stats in this game is you roll 2d6 and add 6, and there are 5 or 6 stats. And the stats are pretty normal. They look like the stats you've seen before, strength and dexterity and blah, blah, blah. The big difference is that this one's got appearance, and then it also has power. Yeah, you've got your power stat, so if you were looking to be a wizard, which basically everyone just is. Yeah, there's a lot more wizards in this. Oh, you got to roll it, though. Because on 2d6 plus 6, you have to get a 16 or higher pow, power to be a wizard. Now, so, you can... It lets you... They're like, if you really want to get spells, you can trade out two for one, two points from somewhere in the rest of your stats to put a point into power. Yeah. But everyone in this world has the capacity to know spells. If you're a beggar in this world, you know beggar spells. Yeah, there's a spell list in the back, but each of the different things you could be are like, I don't care what you are, if you are just some farmer somewhere, you have the capacity of knowing spells. Which I like. I actually thought that was kind of neat. 
Because I'm a big fan of, uh, I don't even want to say this because it makes me feel dirty, but I'm a really big fan of the Alvin Maker series by or- Orson Scott Card. Ugh. See, I feel bad because I got to admit that I like something by Orson Scott Card, but the guy <laughs> can, the guy occasionally, accidentally, between screeds of stupid Christian stuff, craps out a good book. <laughs> Apologies to our Christian listeners. He doesn't count. He's, he's a horrible man. <laughs> you guys are all right. Um, okay, so. Not all Christians. Not all Christians. <laughs> Not all Christians are Orson Scott Card. This <laughs> hashtag, hashtag yes, all Christians are Orson Scott Card. <laughs> so, um, anyway, because that's a game where there's a, or a world that are, the Alpha Maker world has a lot of home magic where everyone's like, Oh, I can, I can light things on fire and I know how to, to grow plants that form a ward of protection around my door. And I like that kind of like small magic. I like when a world has that. See, now the weird thing for me is while I do like that, like, normally, if I had come across this in a non-licensed RPG, I'd go, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Because you you end up not having a straight-up I'm a spellcaster class. You just have... People have access to spells. If you want to focus on it more than anything, you can try and do that. Mm. Sure. Uh, but in the setting, they're basically like, oh, yeah, magic basically left the world... And only Melnabonaeans really even do it anymore, and then Pantangians. Yeah, the Pantangians, which are the uh, evil. What, what's the bad they're, guy? In? They're uh, uh, they're Asian. Yeah, they're, they're just Asians. They're just they're just evil Asians. They're what's his name? What's the bad guy in Flash Gordon? Because it's them. Oh yeah, they are uh, the fucking uh, what's his name, evil Emperor Mongo or something. Uh, I can't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, whatever. it's fine. They're they're that. They're they're yellow peril of the worst sort. Yeah, every picture of them, you're just like, oh, man, that is some Orientalism taken to the worst degree. It kind of, those, the Pentangians can tell you straight off the bat when this book was written just by having them in there. Because there was a brief point in American history after World War II, about 20 years later, where all of a sudden we were all really afraid of Asians again. And it led to, you know, like the Mandarin for Iron Man and Egg Foo for Wonder Woman and the Flash Gordon villain. And here, here it leads to... China has one little island, except the people who live there aren't humans. They're Mabnens or something, and they're they're like evil Asian-y guys with extra long fingernails, and they all grow Fu Manchu mustaches. <laughs> and they are obsessed with evil dark magic. And they throw fortune cookies at you. <laughs> <laughs> they just want you to buy something and go. <laughs> they're horrible. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's another... You can't play as them, because they're too evil. Yeah. Asians, too evil. Yeah. Also, uh, I want to point this out. We mentioned that there are four races you can play in this game. That's a lie. Uh, if you would like to play as Melnibonaeans, half Melnibonaeans, the human slaves of Melnibonaeans, or Merns, then you have to earn that right. How do you earn it? By rolling one on percentile dice. Yeah, this thing... Uh... It has a lot of ask your DM if, and then randomly, if it feels like that should just be allowed to everyone, then it goes, sure, roll for it. There's a 1% chance you might do something. Yeah. If it's allowed for people to play Melnibonians, then there's a 1% chance that you are one. That's Ming's terrible. Ming. 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 Thank there you. There you go. All right. Thank you. Oh, that was killing me. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. All right. Well, there you go. Mongo's even worse, isn't it? Mongo's, <laughs> Mongo's the big guy who punches horses in Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I was about to say, Mongo's just Blazing Saddles. Yeah, Come Mongo's, on, man. Mongo's just pawn in Game of Life. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay, so um, you don't really get to play as all these races, but that doesn't stop them from dedicating most of the book to shit about Melnibonaeans. Okay, so on that as well, 
there's a whole shitload of skills in this. Everything is percentage-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the skills you can get that you can only get if you're... Is flying. Is a skill. And the flight skill takes up, like, a full page. Mm-hmm. Whereas everything else gets maybe a little paragraph about it. And it's the only skill that has a bunch of modifiers to it. Like, oh, is it windy? Well, you're minus 10%. Or are you going, like, with the wind and you're plus 10%. Are you trying to do a specific maneuver? Then minus 50%. And all of these weird little pluses and minuses, nothing else in the book does that. Like, literally nothing else in the book gives you a modifier. Which is weird, because this book is one where the percentile chart goes way up over 100%. And it's not just a, oh, there's a weird thing where you can get over 100%. It straight up says, yeah, if you're gonna try and swing a sword at a dude, you should probably be over 100% capable of it. If you are the captain of a ship, it's because you have greater than 100% on your sail. You don't earn that eventually. You get that, and then you get to be the captain of a ship. Yeah, you get, like, 250 percental points to put into your skills. And certain skills start at zero, and some start at, like, 30% or yeah. 40% or so whatever. Like, like, climb or brawl are the type of skills that start at, like, 40%. Art starts at 5%, and so does craft. And craft I wanted to briefly touch on in this book, because it's the weirdest craft. (laughs) In this book, craft is make stuff or perform stuff. Because art is for noblemen who would not do anything that would raise a sweat. Uh, So instead, juggling, uh, tumbling, anything like that is under craft. Yeah, the fact that they just took the, like, I'm a blacksmith and I'm a jester and smashed those two into one skill is real weird. Especially because there's no classes in this game. There's no, like, fighter or wizard or whatever. Instead, it's just careers. It's one of those. It's one of those shit farmer games where you play as, like, what are you? What, what are you? Oh, fishmonger. I have a cleaver and perhaps one day I shall strike out and find my destiny. Yeah, it's all like, you're an adventurer, but... Before that, you were this dumbass. I'm a lantman. I collect other people's pee. <laughs> the, the one thing in that that I really enjoyed as well is that it sh- so it goes down the line of all the different things you can be. And there are some where it's like, oh yeah, you'll have the most money is if you were like a nobleman, but you don't get a lot of skills with it. Mm-hmm. And then the second most money is if you're a doctor, but you get a lot of skills in it. And I'm like, this is fucking Oregon Trail. You just <laughs> took Oregon Trail and decided how much money and skills you were going to get based on that. It's funny. Usually when you see these, because we've seen a lot of these, this is the way Dark Earth worked and it, uh, so on. It, usually there's a lot of abilities you can get in the game or, or careers you can get that are just better. Like, if you're a nobleman, it's like, what do you get? Oh, weapon training, horse riding, a thousand gold. Although in this game it's bronzes. Uh, you're, you're awesome and rich and you have a lot of skills. Oh, well, what did you roll? I'm a forestman. What do you have? Tracking. Uh, shooting a bow. I live in the forest. I have 20 bronzes. I wish I rolled the other thing. This book doesn't necessarily do that. I do think it's interesting, though, that in this book, one of the richest things you can play as is a beggar. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's because you're a professional beggar and you're real good at it. You're you're exceptionally good at separating people from their coins, so you start with more cash than a lot of the other classes or careers. It's a classless system. Eh. Yeah, we're totally a classless system. Now pick a thing that decides what skills you will have. Yeah, and then the thing you'll level up in. Uh, it's not a class. It's a career. Do you want to make more money? Sure, we all do. How about a career in TV VCR repair? Or get your degree. <laughs> Uh, business management or accounting. Or anyway, gun repair. <laughs> I always loved gun repair in there. It reminded <laughs> me that it, that it was being advertised to a different part of the country than this. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> okay, so um, 
you start with about 250 percentage points in these skills, and you're welcome to take them up over 100% if you want. The way and you really should. And you're like, pick something that you do, probably combat, if you don't want to just die, yeah. and get at least like 105%. So what does that mean if you have a combat, like say broadsword skill of 105%? It means you have 105% chance to hit. So you roll percentile, and on a, uh, a double zero, you, you fumble and automatically fail. And uh, the critical chance is equivalent to the total percentage of the skill you have divided by 5. So, for example, if you have a 105% broadsword skill, then you have a 26% chance to crit every time you swing your broadsword, which means a roll of 1 through 26 is a crit. Now, I say that you have a... every time, and I'm wrong. Because actually, the way that the system works is you get multiple attacks or you expend your skill to, to parry. Uh, each time you use your ability again during your turn, you subtract 30% from your maximum percentage roll. So let's say you have a 130% chance to hit with a uh, katana. Why not? You, the first time you swing, you swing at 130%. You only fail on a, z- a double zero. You uh, have a 28% chance, I want to say, to critically hit. Whatever. Next time, you swing at 100%. And that means that you have a 20% chance to crit, because you have to, on the fly, divide your, your your current total skill percentage by 5 to figure out what your crit is, and you still only fumble on that double zero. And uh, you have to, basically, they want you to get over 100% as well, because if you don't have over 100%, then if you roll, you fail on a 99 or a 100. But if you have over 100% in a skill, then you only fail on the double zero. Right. Now, to give you an idea of how big these skills inflate, let's talk very briefly again about Elric which the book is not shy about doing. Everything in this book is about Elric. Not only that, but everything in this book just reminds you about how you aren't Elric. Yeah. Like, every time it talks about something like, ah, yes, and then Elric went and he went to an island and oh my he God. murdered everyone at that island and he just was an amazing badass. You, of course, will not be able to do this. Elric's chance to hit with Stormbringer the sword is 880%. That is dumb. Like, there is one way to lower someone's percent to hit in the game. Again, there's no modifiers. It's not like, I have the high ground, or, oh, I'm a better swordsman, so I do a thing, or I do a feint, and it doesn't... No. Yeah. The only thing you can do is, are you fighting essentially blind or in super low light? Now you're at either a half or a third of your normal skill. Oh, no, only 440% likely to hit with Stormbringer. Darn. Yeah, so he has an 880% chance to hit with his sword. That means that he can swing his sword 24 times in a single round. Now, if he hits you with Stormbringer, it, it just kills you, so don't worry about that. Don't worry about how many times he needs to swing his sword. Yeah, this this uh, this weapon is a rune sword that drinks souls, and it's the souls that nourish Elric. Because normally he's super weak, but as long as he has his sword, he's a goddamn badass, which means he's not the anti-Conan, he's just Conan, yeah. except he's pale. Can I stop for a second and talk about how bullshit that is? 100% bullshit. Okay. He's supposed to, every time they describe this guy, they call him the doomed albino or the the sickly man of deficient blood. It's bullshit. He's never weak, ever. He 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 corrects all of his low stats by drinking constant supplies of Melnibone and super drugs, and he corrects his bad combat abilities by carrying the sword that does the fighting for him. He is the ultimate example of a role-playing game character that that abuses the merits and flaws system. Oh yeah, he was like, hold on, wait a minute. Let me, uh, let me look in the alchemy section real quick. Oh shit, there's... There's a potion that can just take away all of these negatives. All right, uh, I'm an albino. Uh, I've got a blood deficiency. I'm anemic. I'm broody. I'm depressive. I get a nasty cough. Uh, I've got a dark future. future. I'm doomed. So everyone I ever meet except me is going to die, and then I'll also die. But also, when I die, the whole world dies, so who cares? 
So, that's how doomed I am. I'm doomed that I'll die when the world ends, you guys. Isn't that deep? In exchange for all these many, many weaknesses, I'll take these powers that completely obliviate the power, the uh, weaknesses I took. Yeah, it's, oh, I unfortunately have to nourish myself with the souls of my enemies. Thankfully, I am constantly murdering bad guys all the time, and my sword just goes, great, I use these souls and you turn into a super badass. Maybe he's amazing in the books. I haven't read them. No, I have not, I haven't read any of these books either, but everything in this RPG that it tells me about Elric is just the worst I just, type of character. I just want to slap him. I just want to slap his dumb face. Also, let me, let me just talk for a second about, it always goes on and on about how doomed he is. Oh yeah. Oh, he's doomed and he's, he's cursed and he's, uh, he's one in a million, uh, people that, is chosen by chaos, and then he goes to balance, and there's all this stupid crap, but he's cursed because of whatever. He's some ancient force that is reborn all the time. He's the eternal champion. Yeah. So, then it's like, yeah, he was cursed, and that's why his love died. No, his love died because he brought an army to Melna Bonet and murdered the shit out of everyone, and his love happened to be there. Yeah. It's and a, died. It, it's a curse that all of his friends die when he abandons them and runs off. Yeah, every time they're like, oh, yes, and the the curse takes his friend again when he jumped on a boat and left him on an island and he got fucking eaten by birds. And you're like, you're not cursed, you're a dick. Yeah, he's cursed to be a dick. <laughs> Which I'm sure works real well when he's trying to explain all the spousal abuse and shit. Like, it's not me, hon, I'm cursed. I'm oh, cur- my God, yeah, oh. I, I wish I could use that in my daily life. <laughs> Just be like, sorry I was an hour late to work. You know how this curse is. Yeah. Honey, it's not me slapping you, it's the curse. <laughs> oh, it's I so hate bad. Maybe it's good in the book. Maybe the book takes it in such a way that this character is, you know, it would be an interesting experiment to write a book about a, a ridiculously unlikable protagonist from start to finish. And I, I get that in the time when it was written... That was a thing you didn't do, yeah. No, like, generally the fantasy setting was more for kids. Like, if you were writing a fantasy book, it was for kids, and so he's like... This is one of the first, I'm going to grim dark up whatever I'm yeah. doing and make it gritty and for adults. And even if it's for adults, it's usually sexual escapism. Like, it's always Conan, like, I'm rippling and sinewy and I take this woman behind this bush and then the bush slams up and down cartoonishly. Ha ha! And this guy's kind of, he still has, he, he still seems to get laid pretty much constantly, but... Like, the, at least it's trying to kind of darken it up a little bit. I, I I mean, maybe it's good, but this book, this RPG about him makes you hate him. Oh, yeah. Nothing he does is at all redeemable in even a little way. No. And every time it talks about him, it's either to tell you that you are never going to be as cool as Elric is, and it constantly says that. Oh, God. Or... It will go, yeah, and then Elric just destroyed some civilization as he was passing through. Oh, yeah, because the the first section of this book, the very first section of this book is a little description of what Elric is and, like, the world. The second part is the geography of the world. It's just like, oh, let's talk about Lormir, the town of freedom. Later, Elric will come here and kill everyone. There's an island nearby full of beastmen that are interesting. In In a couple of years, Elric swings through here and kills everybody there, so don't bother setting an adventure there or anything. 
No, everything they bring up there is either to tell you how you aren't as good or how Elric will fuck this up. Yeah. No, it's it's ludicrous. And and sometimes they even break they even mention how Elric breaks the rules that they've written down in the game. There's a part in the combat section where it's like, "Hey, if you want to learn how to fight, you should definitely always carry a shield. Serious warriors carry a shield." Yeah. Sidebar, not having a shield makes it so that you are actually just more likely to get wrecked in combat because it's the only way you can parry without just, like, your sword breaking generally for yeah. some reason. Oh, because this game's got that. Your armor and shield and weapons can all get broken. Of course it does. Yeah. Because not only are you a shit farmer, but you're wearing armor that can just fall apart at a moment's notice. Yeah, it's one of those kinds of games that has the rules for how long it takes you to cut your armor off for when you get kicked in the water. It's that It's that sort of, like, serious, yeah. grim, dark shit. But anyway, like I was saying, right after it tells you you need to have a shield to be a good combatant, it goes, sidebar... We know that Elric doesn't carry a shield, but we think you'll agree he's a pretty special case, isn't he? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I sure will. He's real special, you fucking book. Uh, yeah, it just goes on like that. The monster section? <laughs> oh yeah, so there's, there is a monster section in this full of what would in any other book be, here are the monsters that inhabit this world. And they're cool! Whatever. There's cool monsters, but every single one of them is written from this point of view. Well, the reason they're cool monsters is because all of them are one-offs yeah. that he fought in a book. Yeah, every single one of them. The, what's the Chaos Butterfly? The Chaos Butterfly is a weird monster that Elric fought once. There's only one of them, and he killed it. Yeah, and it goes, uh, you know, that... Pantangian sorcerer might have made more, but, you know, in the books he only made the one, and then Elric killed it, and he didn't give a fuck. And so, every monster in this book is like, oh, this was a terrifying threat to Elric, the doomed albino of curses, who eventually defeated it under uh, after much duress and difficulty. Anyway, your team of crappy humans could probably fight it. Which and the, the thing is, yes, yes you true. can. It's true, because they didn't write the rules very well. All the monsters like a 40 to 60% chance to hit. Oh yeah, it's like, I am this horrible chaos entity, and I will kill you with my chance to hit of 53%. Yeah, it's real weird how they... And I have 20 terrifying hit points. <laughs> uh, It's real sad. Oh, I, I wanted to talk about how one of the stats in this game is size. Oh yes, so you also have size. And size matters for your hit points. Because mm -hmm. you have size plus con as your hit point total. And then it divided by two. For your damage bonus as well, because strength plus size is going to give you whether you deal extra damage when you're swinging. Yeah. I like that they take the size stat, which ranges between uh, zero, which is invisible, and 21, which is like eight feet tall. Uh, most humans are like size 15, 16, somewhere in there. Uh, but I like that they take that size word and abbreviate it to sizz. Yeah, just S-I-Z, we could not be bothered to put the E on there. You know, if your word is four letters long, just keep it. Yeah, just, come on now. You don't need to, you don't need to make, tell us how big someone's sizz is. <sighs> I, it's, it, uh, anyway, so size is a thing. It's, it's how you determine what your hit points are and how much extra damage you do with swords and so on. So yeah, the monsters in this book, every one of them is written from this perspective of how Elric fought them. Now, let me tell you how Elric fought the monsters. <laughs> They beat the shit out of him and ignore his rune sword because the books need to have something in them that's got some kind of story to it. So if, if the if the novels are written like this game, he would just stab them once with the rune sword and they would eat their soul and he would move along. Uh, instead, it's always like, this thing has a crazy powerful shield and he can't get through it. So instead, he summons Hrachtachthlachthlachtar, the god of lizards who fights the monster for him. Because Elric never fights a fucking battle, he just summons shit. Yeah, and it's for everything. It's like, oh, there's a battle. I gotta 
summon this guy and he'll fight for me, or I fell off a boat, I'll summon the god of water to fucking carry me to shore. Tenderly. Cradle me in his arms and I just want to get lost in there. Just want to dive into that forest of his seaweedy chest hair and (laughs) breathe in the salt-crusted airs. Uh, there's a picture in here of this god bringing him out from the water, and he is just limp in his arms, just loving everything about it. Yeah, as Tharash, the god of the sea, crosses the threshold with his new beloved. Yeah, it's, and, and he looks so put upon as well. He's like, always oh, fucking called me, carry you across water, oh, do this. It's it's ridiculous because it makes it look like El- the book makes it look like Elric has an ultra sword who can who can slay anything. And then what he does is he gets in fights and he summons local elemental gods who fight for him so he doesn't have to. So now he's also, in addition to being overpowered, a ridiculous wizard, even though the book stops to tell you he doesn't like magic and doesn't use it. Well, the the book is like, oh, and he was the first Melnibonean in a while that was a super wizard. Normally, you could summon, like, little elementals, but you couldn't summon the gods of the elementals. But he's super Mary Sue, so... He can summon gods, and he has a rune sword that makes him amazing, and he's he's cursed, but it's okay because he's sexy while he does it. He's literally the last person in the world to die. That's his curse. And it's not that long. It's not like it's not like Vandal Savage where he has to wait for his death. It's more like he's the last person in the world to die right after his buddy dies. Yeah. It <sighs> What a curse. How horrible for you. Yeah. You, you piece of shit I hate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just real dumb and bad. Yeah, okay. So, the monsters would be interesting, except all of them are written from this point of view that they could beat Elric, but maybe not you, you human peasant. And, of course, they can't, because, except for a few things of, like, what is this? It's a dragon. Mm -hmm. This dragon is huge and will beat the shit out of you, and it has, like, damage reduction of everything, and you shouldn't fight this. Yeah. I I, want to point out that the monsters are fairly inventive. I mean, it's because Moorcock invented them. Every one of them is from the books. Yeah, it's not like the person doing this RPG was like, I have a cool idea for a monster. The vast majority of them are in that sort of early sword and sorcery comic book fantasy vein of, what's this? Oh, it's just a big pile of pus and scales. It's like, oh, he's yellowy and gross, and there's ooze dripping off him, and he's seductive for some reason. It's kind of, well, you know, that's pretty much true of the 70s. <laughs> ah, well done. Just a big pile of hair and necklaces. And cocaine. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, so a lot of the, the monsters are neat and, and cool. It's just that they're written from this point of view of, of, uh, it, it's just shenanigans. Um, the magic system is cool. There's, you get, you get a number of spell points and you can use them to cast some fairly decent spells. Now the, the way magic works, both in this book and in, in real the setting, life. yeah, in yes, whenever I am casting real spells, yeah, D and D taught me. Uh, so the way magic works, Blackleaf, no, <laughs> is you are based around one of the alignments. So spells are predominantly aligned to chaos. There are a couple aligned to law, and then uh, balance just sort of issues. Uh, magic altogether, but it has some spell-like ability things you can do. Those are the alignment axes of this system, is that there's chaos in the world, there's law in the world, and then there is balance that uh, recognizes that chaos and law are simply mirrors of each other and tries to strike a middle ground. Yeah, because it's like, oh, if chaos were in charge, then everything would be ever-changing and there'd never be any stability. But if law was in charge, everything would be stagnant and nothing would change, and the balance is, well, we... 
we really need to libertarian this up, and I think what, what I've really learned today is that there's a middle ground. Middle ground brought to you by Ayn Rand. <laughs> Who is Elric? <laughs> so, the, the spells are predominantly chaos because chaos is supposed to be the representation of magic because magic is changing the world. Yes. Uh, and the only law spells are spells that stop things from changing, essentially. They're things that impose something's form to a static thing, yeah. Yeah, it's, okay, I can either stop magic from working or stop you from being able to change or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then in the, the actual story of it, the, like, the Melnabonaeans were supposed to be all chaos worshippers because they're all sorcerers. Yeah, and then the Pantangians are also very chaosy. Yeah, because they are also sorcerers. Yes. Uh, and then after the Melnabonaeans who had controlled basically the full world, uh, collapsed, then a bunch of law cults and churches started popping up. So now the gods of law are trying to fight back, and then Elric decides that the truth lies somewhere in the middle and becomes a champion of the balance. Right, which, which you know, I, makes sense. I actually do kind of like the alignment system in this game. I'm going to find yeah, because it isn't positive. really alignment. It's not. And also, we keep saying, oh, all the Melnabonaeans, these decadent elder god douchebags, are very chaosy, And all the Pantangians, these yellow peril bullshit, uh, unfortunate Asian stereotype guys, uh, they're all very chaosy. Chaos isn't a bad thing. You can be chaos and be a good guy. Yeah, and the... So, instead of just a straight-up, I'm chaotic neutral, or I'm lawful evil, or whatever that you'd have in a D&D, this has a point system where when you do something chaotic or something lawful or something for the balance, you gain points for it. Whatever you have the most points in is what you are generally attuned to. Yes. And then if you have, like, 40 more points in one thing than anything else, then you can be dedicated to that. Right. And so if you're dedicated to chaos, you can make appeals to the gods of chaos, and the same thing with law and so on. So you get special little abilities. And then if you happen to get, like, I have 100 points more in, like, chaos than anything else, and now it's possible that the gods of chaos themselves might want me to be a champion for them. And so then you can get champion shit, and you get like, oh, now you have super awesome magic powers, or and, whatever. And it's a lot of points. Oh, like, you have to get a lot of points in there. Yeah, like uh, Elric's got some 800-odd points in chaos, 100 points in balance, and like 35 points in law. It's it's sort of silly how, how that works. Well, that's an NPC. Characters will get points of chaos when they cast spells. Uh, a lot of things can generate either kind of, of uh, point. Yeah, like it's oh, uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll use a heal spell on a guy. That's one point of chaos or one point of law. Well, yeah, because you're trying to make it so his body stays the way it was, but also you're using magic. So man, yeah, so it's a little interesting how how that works. I, I thought it was all right. It, it's not quite an alignment system. It's more of an allegiance system. And but... I, I like the idea of alignment as allegiance rather than my character is statically always like this because they're like. Yeah, you'll always be gaining points in law or chaos or balance, whatever you do. There's never going to be a point where you're just only gaining points in one thing. Yeah. Even if you become like, I'm a champion of law, you'll still gain points in chaos and balance. It's just you're a champion of law. Yeah, it's a little of an, it's real early and it's real clunky, but you can see that kind of allegiance instead of alignment thing in a lot of modern games. That's what intimacies are in your White Wolf games and the one true thing is in, in 13th Age and so on is sort of, 
what defines your character other than simply a set of codified behaviors from a chart. Yeah. Instead of just picking one thing and it goes, what would you or would you not normally do? Yeah. All right, well, I'm scrupulous, so I would not torture someone, but I would lie if it meant it would help me. Okay. W-W-C-N-J-D. <laughs> what would chaotic neutral Jesus do? <laughs> I don't know, probably steal from the party and turn your water into wine. And Jump off a bridge, why not? Hey, I... I Walked on water after I hit the water from the bridge, and it was great. I'm chaotic neutral Jesus. Da, 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 da. Hey! Yay. T-shirt's coming soon. <laughs> so, uh, in addition to that ridiculous alignment system, uh, which I like because every time you do a thing, you gain a point, this has the fucking use it or lose it XP system of if you use a skill, then your DM will go, well, mark a point on that, and we'll see if you get... Any extras at the end of the thing? Maybe he will. Maybe. The, maybe. The, the model for whether or not the DM should give you the chance to maybe get a point in your skill later is the DM says so. It's codified that way. Sometimes the DM will tell you to mark a skill when you use it. Don't ask for him to tell you to. Do not mark the skills yourself. The DM will know. Yeah, which... I mean, one, fuck you, and two... The amount of times that DMs just forget shit because they have to run a game is a lot. Yeah. And if it's specifically like, don't ask him, don't you dare remind him that he should be doing this. Yeah. So here's the way this works. Um, whenever you roll a skill and the DM tells you to mark that skill, at the end of the game, you are going to, at the end of that session of the game, you are going to roll on that skill. If you roll above your skill percentage... Normally you're trying to roll, roll under your skill percentage, but if you roll above your skill percentage, you get better at that skill. Hooray! You gain a D10 points of being better at that skill. I think it's a D6. And then, well, there are break points. So yeah. it's, if you're super shitty in some skill, like I've got 10% whatever, well, I'm obviously probably going to get better at it if the DM tells me to mark, and I'll get like a D6 or whatever percentage points in it. Then when you hit... uh 80%. Like, uh, yeah, once you get to a certain break point, then... The only thing you can get is one percentage point. And it's really unlikely that you do. Because once you hit 80%, you instead of making a roll to get above the 80%, you have to roll a luck chance, which is just your luck sk- uh, stat times 5% or something, and see if you get that. It's it's real low. You have a It, it generally adds up to about a 17% chance of getting 1% better every time you're told to mark that skill. Yeah. And, oh, it's uh, intelligence. That's right. Thank yeah. you. So if you're smart, then you're obviously going to get better at being skills. But even then... You're still gonna have maybe a one in five chance every time you roll on at that. best. Even even at so- uh, skills that don't have that much to do with intelligence, like swinging swords and so on. Oh yeah. So and I mean, they say that there is no maximum for your stats because you can also say, "Hey GM, I'm studying real hard, or I'm working out, and let me put a little check mark next to my stat, and maybe it'll go up." Yeah. Now so. there are maxes for things like you can only be so strong or so big or whatever. But they're like, yeah, you can have as much power and intelligence as you really want as a human. There's no max. If you use magic to give yourself plus 30 to your intelligence, I don't give a shit. So, okay, great. So, there you go. Thankfully, enchantment is really rare in this game. Your chance of finding an enchanted object is that you won't. Yep. Uh, There's a little section in the very back of the book about rumors that players might hear, and it's all stuff like, there is an enchanted mirror that is carried by demons, and if you look in it, You'll come out of the mirror and beat yourself up, and only only demons can take the mirror away again. That's what the magic items in this game are. 
There's Stormbringer. There's demons that get bound into things. Oh, God, I completely forgot about that. The section in this book on summoning is stupidly huge. Well, because so much in this uh, world book yeah. was about Elric summoning shit, whether because Melnobonaeans and uh, Pantangians are all about summoning demons, and Elric is all about summoning the elemental forces and And then the gods. plant lords and the beast lords. Yeah. yeah, so the whole book is all about just summoning shit to do whatever you want them to. But the rules for summoning demons are shenanigans. It's like 15 pages in the middle of this book. The average chance of summoning a demon is like 1%. So it's it's a ridiculous use of book real estate. Yeah, like, you can do a really long, complicated ritual, you do all of your dumb shit, you get uh, an item that lets you temporarily boost what your POW is, mm-hmm. so that you can actually do it. Yeah. Because you're like, pow- I do a ritual that it will... It costs give- 50 magic points to summon a demon. How many magic points do you have? 20. 20. Oh... Yeah, so first you have to do a ritual where you make an item that lets you store your own power points into it. Mm-hmm. And then after you do that, then you can do a ritual to summon a thing through your thing with your power points. It, it, at that oh. point, you have to enter into the contract negotiation phase with it because it's the, a lot of that. A lot of the demons will always twist the words of anyone who asks them to do anything. And they always get you. <laughs> and they have a path. <laughs> These, uh, yeah, the the spells in the book are fine outside of the summoning stuff. The summoning stuff is one of those examples of too much real estate given over to too little import. Just and like just like back when we did Cinnabar, and it says one in ten billion people should be able to cast the wish spell, here's two pages about what it does. And the the sad part about it is, while you could be like, oh, I'm playing a Melna Bonet, so of course I have demon summoning. Great, okay, that's a spell you have. I don't care. But it also ends up being completely different from the way it works in the books, because in the books, you get this idea that, like, oh, yeah, like, fucking Elric just decides, uh, I summon a thing, it happens. Yeah. And in this, it's like, ten hours later, maybe after you've sacrificed a baby and given part of your soul into a fucking conflagration, a demon will pop up. But it's not the one you want, and he hates you. Yeah. It's just, again, one of those moments where it's like, of course, Elric can do this, but he's a special case. You can try, but you'll probably just get eaten by this demon. In fact, it gives you an example of summoning a demon, and then the demon eats the guy who summoned him. Yep. Great. The uh, the, the impression I got from reading the examples of how Elric does things is that the only thing stopping him from immediately summoning a demon or a god or whatever every time he meets anything is that he doesn't remember the magic prayers. Because it's a, there's a little example of a prayer he does to entreat the god of lizards to show up. And he's like, Oh, lizard, god of reptiles... From which we originally came, but have long since passed beyond. You of the cold skin, but the warm body in the sun. You of the powerful jaw, slavering with with exotic poisons. That kind of thing. It's, it's that he forgot that shit. And so it takes him a while to remember it. Except yeah, it's fancy in prayers. Yeah. Except it's got nothing to do with how you would summon the god of stupid lizards. Exactly. It's, oh, it's, it's infuriating. So, um... Before we close this one out, before we get to the last quest section, we've pretty much told you how to play this game, which is... Fucking don't. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of want to talk about licensed games in general and what their goal should and shouldn't be. We both basically agree that this is a terrible licensed game. That yeah. it shouldn't be a licensed game because Elric is so much the Mary Sue of this universe that it, he literally is there at the beginning of it, and then he ends it. it you, there's no room to play. Yeah, and the... So, a lot of the other ones that we've even reviewed have been more ensemble cast things. Buffy 
and you get things like the, uh, the Firefly RPG mm-hmm. or Star Wars or anything where maybe you'll have a main protagonist of like, okay, Luke Skywalker or Buffy. You're Han Solo, yeah. But even in those, you've got a shitload of characters that do a bunch of stuff and have a lot of screen time. And the idea that, oh yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of ways to play with the universe. You know, if literally the only character we ever followed in Star Wars was Han Solo, then you'd have a book that only cared about smuggling and how to be a scoundrel. Right. But because we have an ensemble cast in that setting, you have a lot of ways to come at it. Elric is just, it's just him. He's got a partner. Good old Moonglum. The second to last person to die, probably. But every, he keeps talking about like, oh yeah, he had this friend. He was a warrior from over here. Then he died. He then died. he had this friend. He died because Elric abandoned him and left, let dragons eat him. Fucking Elric is basically like the doctor from Doctor Who and that he keeps having companions that den- then die and he's like, oh, that was sad. I'll get a new one. Yeah, the difference being that he doesn't really care what they look like where the doctor pretty much prefers pasty, like, Danish women. Just one after the next. Hey what man, who doesn't? Creep that guy is. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming out on record as not liking Doctor Who as well as Stormbringer. Oh, man. Let's lose all our fans tonight. <laughs> That's going to be good. That's going to be real good. Yeah. You want to you hate anything else? Do you hate Sherlock? You want to go ahead and be on record as hating Sherlock no, and Supernatural? Like yeah, I kind of don't like Supernatural. Uh, what else can we hate? Uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Yeah, there we go. We hate everything the internet likes. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah we don't like you, we don't, I also don't give a fuck about what color that dress is at all. At all. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear anyone talk about it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> It's white so, and gold. Okay, last so. thing I want to talk about with licensed games. When you're playing a licensed game, you don't want to play a shit farmer version of the character's nephew. You don't. You want to yeah. you want to play the character. Like, okay, let's talk about the... I know this is a bit of a tangent, but let's talk about 50s comics. Remember how 50s comics were always like, Superman's amazing pal. Robin goes to the swimming hole. And the reason they did that was because they thought that kids would identify with the main, with, with a little kid better than they would with the main character. And they were wrong. Kids don't want to be Han Solo Jr., the scrappy friend to Han Solo uses a laser slingshot. <laughs> they want to play fucking Han Solo. They want to be the real guy. And, and this game is the least worst example of, of that I've ever seen. Where you don't get even close to play fucking Elric. You have to play as some dirt farmer from Peasant World who sucks. And again, it's, it's part of the, the fact that there was only one example of what you could be. Yeah. So, you know, instead of being like, oh, I could be a Jedi or a smuggler or a protocol droid or whatever, you're like, the only character here is Elric. So if you were making something, you're like, what can I be? A, a doomed Jagoff? I guess I want to be Elric because I apparently like this game enough to want to play it, which means I must like Elric. Yeah. Oh, but you can't play Elric though. Elric's too powerful. Don't play him. And not, and, not even that. Elric doesn't even, like, map on to any of the shit that you could make. He's no. not like, oh, yeah, Elric is obviously this, if this, you and were this. this and this, and then you gave him a sword, then he'd be whatever. He's just like, I'm special. No, literally any rule that they set down in this game is there so that Elric previously broke it. That's what it's for. So, why am I ranting like this? It's just, I, I rarely do this, but this is a, me- a, a message to future game designers. If you have a licensed game you're working on, let people play the characters from the license. That's what they want. That's why they bought that game. Yeah, or at least close enough to it. Yeah. Be like, if I'm playing in the world of, like, Harry Potter, don't make it so that I'm, like, yeah, the yeah. janitor. You have to be a house elf. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're just a muggle. That's <laughs> your only option. Yeah. No, like, let me play as Araborn, the, the, the ranger who was a couple miles over, but did the same basic stuff. 
Yeah. Eh. And Gamli, the mighty dwarf. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And Gendolf, the confused wizard. <laughs> so, so there you go. That's my yeah. that's my message. If you're building a licensed game, build around that license. Yeah. Let people play it. All right. Let's get to the actual nuts and bolts here. John, what was your favorite thing about Stormbringer? Stormbringer. My favorite thing in the book probably has to end up being the uh, the way that the spells work outside of summoning. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it before, but the fact that everyone gets access to spells regardless of what you are. Yeah, you know, if you're a peasant, you get. If you're a beggar, you get beggar specific spells. Yeah, you know, if you're a doctor, you get access to a heal spell. If you're a huntsman, you get access to, like, tracking spells mm-hmm. and summoning animals and shit like that. So it has to do with whatever you were, and that's even just your starting spells. You can learn other things. It's just, oh, you're starting out as whatever career you had. You get these spells as what you have access to. And I love that as a concept of we added in this entire thing, but everyone gets to play with our system. Instead of it being like, Oh yeah, we have a combat system and everyone uses the combat system. And then we have a magic system and only that guy uses it. Cause then it just feels like you've dedicated, you know, like most books, about 150 pages to the spellcaster of which there might be one in your party. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that everyone in your party gets access to this system is a great idea. Yeah. Okay. So what would you say your favorite thing in the book is? I'm going to say the chaos law axis thing. Not necessarily the impl- the uh, the execution, but the idea. Because the execution is too granular. It, it, you spend way too much time at the end of this game going, well, you did one chaos thing and then a different chaos thing, which is worth one-tenth of your strength value in chaos points. <laughs> and it's just like, no, you just... It, it, it's nice to have a kind of concept of how your character interacts with the world that isn't necessarily a, a rigid, rigid structure of rules by which your character has to obey. Anytime your DM looks at you and goes, a lawful neutral character wouldn't do that. Like, yeah, my character did. So I guess he's not lawful neutral. Fuck off, Jerry. <laughs> um, so this, this is a little better. I think they did a somewhat better job of creating a believable... And, and also, it's it's from the books. The books are all about this whole balance of chaos and law. With with the balance representing this midpoint between them, yeah. So I think that that's I think they did an okay job there. Okay, yeah. No, I think that was one of the aspects of the book where you go, oh, this was you playing with the world that you're based on, yeah. But you did it in such a way that it was actually useful to the game instead of just as an example of something. Yeah. What would you say is your least favorite thing about Stormbringer? <sighs> it's it's got to be the constant references to how you're not Elric. Yeah. The whole thing is just, in the same way that Deliria would constantly ask you dumb questions about whether or not the thing they just said was actually the opposite, this is, hey man, you know that thing that I just told you about, how, like, swinging a sword? Elric does it better. Yeah. Hey, you know how you could, like, be on a boat? Elric was on a boat once. He murdered an entire nation. Hey, let me tell you about this thing Elric did that's better than what I just described you could do. And... It's one thing to go, yeah, there's this weird godlike figure walking through the setting. You should probably not fuck with him. And I go, all right, fine. But when you constantly, over and over, emphasize how you are not this character, you go, well, then why am I playing this RPG? Do you, are you familiar with, with the people who, uh, who participate in what they call the game? 
And I don't mean the one on the internet where you where you play it, you lose yeah, it. Yeah, well, you just lost it. No, yeah, not that. I mean the one where they think that the uh, Sherlock Holmes stories are real. Oh, no. Okay, that's the thing. That's the thing where they try to prove that the Sherlock Holmes stories really, hap- really happened. It's this whole game thing. And they, they, they discuss the, the original works of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle as the canon, and they talk about how important the canon is and, and make extrapolations from it. That's the tone of this book. They call it the saga instead of the canon, but they make constant references to how things work in the saga. And they go so far as to recommend, in the middle of a ruling, like like uh, when you're swinging your sword at someone and they attempt to parry, as per page 245 of Elric Goes to Banana Town, <laughs> you, you can determine that, you, that this is something that doesn't normally happen. It's so up its own, up Moorcock's butt. About, about the rulings, and literally, it, it uses the books, like, it tells you, like, go check, read this book, because it's got the rule you need. Well, yeah, and in addition to that, because it constantly reminds you about the books, and how you aren't Elric, and what Elric did, one, it spoil if you haven't read it, it spoils everything that happens in all of the books, mm-hmm. and it gives you the ending of, yeah, and then everyone dies, and the world is ended and reborn, and you're like, so, if I'm not playing as Elric, then literally anything I do doesn't matter. Like, if I go, yeah, I was a super amazing adventurer, I led an entire fucking army, and I liberated a country from the unknown continent, and we did all of this shit, and then Elric blew a horn and everyone died. Yeah, yeah, it's not that bad. I mean, spoiler alert, John, eventually all the protons in the universe are going to decay and to get too too far away from each other to do anything. Yes, and but then this it'll is... just be cold and dark forever. This is billions of years from now, whereas this is like, I'm in the middle of leading my army, and then Elric blows a horn and game over, you're done. Uh, fair enough. I just wanted to really bring it bleak down. Just just so you know, nothing you do matters and everyone dies. The end. <laughs> ball hey, that's that's how I feel after reading... <laughs> yeah, I could go for some ball fondlers. <laughs> no, that's how I feel after reading the Elric book. Just, oh, nothing I do matters and eventually we'll all die. Oh. Anyway, uh, I'm going to go ahead and answer the question there. Yeah, so least favorite thing for you in the book? Uh, Let's see. I'm, I really... I also want to say Elric, but I'm going to go ahead and say the nomenclature. Oh, no. Here's what I'm going to say. It gives you the last line of the Elric novels, which is the sword telling Elric, uh, it's something like, like, farewell, good friend, I was a thousand times more evil than thou. Uh, uh. Alright, so, you know how you hate it when books, when, when things have dumb names in books? I really, really do. It's your least that favorite was, thing. That was almost what I was going to yeah. say if I hadn't been so full of hatred. I'm not on your team with that. I actually, you know, for example, I really like the book Anathem. By uh, by Neil Stevenson, it, 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 that's all it is. Yeah. Um, I like that sort of thing because I like figuring out the puzzles behind the names. What I don't like is when a book set twenty million years ago decides that the the uh, the lingo lingo everyone uses is Elizabethan pre modern English. Okay, so you're telling me twenty years twenty million years ago people talked like English people talked three hundred and fifteen years ago. Yeah, obviously. For one brief dec or a couple decades. People talk like that with the these and thous, and then it faded out into obscurity and was gone. Except that this guy, it's like, oh, it's in the past. They talk like this. Thou art thine self. No. Fuck you. That's such a tiny period of history. Don't do that. I don't care that I think, I think only the sword talks like that. I think it's supposed to be the sword talking in high Melna Banaan. Eh. But. No, get fucked. It's it's the stupidest thing. Well, it's, it, it's, it's just lazy shorthand that yeah. a writer uses to go, hey, this was a long time ago. I know. It, it's the laziest shorthand. It's exactly as lazy as when people from Greece have British accents. Ah. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Yeah. Um, would you play Stormbringer 
dark fantasy role-playing. I would not at all. Nope, like, just everything in it annoys me from a fluff perspective. I hate the world and I don't want to play in it. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to use the system because the system itself is terrible and the ask your DM if you can get a slight chance to go up in a skill is my least well, favorite. don't ask. Oh, no, never ask. But it's my least favorite way of doing XP in anything is that there's a chance that maybe something happens because it means one of your characters, like, oh, yeah, this guy just rolled really awesomely every time he was doing shit and he gets a million XP and you just fucked up a bunch and you get nothing. Ah, oh. uh, dice are mechanical. We Yeah, I don't like that either. Um, So your your opinion, would you play... In Stormbringer. You know, for a long time, because I was so incensed at the kind of negative nature of this book and how, like, it's all doomed and shitty, and, and, and how it just doesn't seem like it's worth playing in it, because you're not, you're never gonna be like Elric, you're gonna be shitty. Yep. I got obsessed while I was reading it with kind of mentally fixing it, like, how would I make, be allowed, allow myself to play in this game? Okay, well, I'd strip all the humans out, everyone would play as Melnabonaeans, you'd be set thousands of years ago before they all turned into shitty drug addicts, so that you would actually have some dynamic characters that want to do shit, but are on the same power scale that Elric is. And after doing all that that mental math to get to the point where I was like, would I still play this? No, because the rules are all clunky and crappy. Well, yeah, And even then, you're like, oh yeah, if I just changed everything so that I wasn't playing in the setting that yeah. the book was about, then sure, I would play an RPG that was not this RPG, is essentially what you're saying. Exactly. So my, my final answer to that question is no. No, I would not. So there you have it, folks. That was Stormbringer, the RPG. Fourth edition. Uh, I assume the first three editions are just as bad. Um, although there's one by GW, so maybe one of them's even worse. Hooray! So yeah, that was uh, that was Stormbringer. If you have any comments about Stormbringer, if you want to bring it to our attention that we're wrong about the Moorcock universe. Yeah, if you want to tell us that we can suck your Moorcock or whatever you, oh. whatever clever thing that you have been holding on to this entire hour, we please almost, don't. We almost made it without a Moorcock joke. Yeah, no. You always need more. <laughs> Cock. Uh, if uh, if you have comments, just leave them right below uh, on the website at systemmasterypodcast.com. Otherwise, uh, visit us on Twitter at System Mastery or Facebook or whatever. We have all these different sites. You can find them on the thing. You can also visit our new Patreon page and give us money for doing this, which would be great. You don't have to. We're, we're happy just making the podcast, but it'll pay for us to keep the servers on fire. Yeah, on fire. We've, we've got a guy in the back. And we we need to pay him to come out with a little torch and just constantly be like, yeah, get him his own fire. Basically, I wanted to say keep the boilers lit, and somehow it came out to keep the servers on fire. I think I think you wanted to say keep the servers on, but then you had the idea of a boiler in your head. Yeah, like, keep the servers on fire. We didn't start the fire. Well, no, I mean it's been burning since the world's been turning. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so by all means, get in contact with us if there's any game you'd like us to review. We've started taking submissions. People have been very generous in throwing games our way. We have another one of those coming up very soon. I'm not sure which one we're going to do, but we'll get to you, and we'll thank you on the air like we're supposed to. So uh, this has been System Mastery, and uh, John, you got anything else you want to throw in? I was a thousand times more evil than thou. <laughs> Verily, good night. <laughs> <laughs>